The title of our study is called The Golden Calf Apostasy. We are continuing our series on the wilderness wanderings. If you've missed any of the previous uh, studies, you can go back um, through the videos or you can go to my website there at adventproductions.com and you can hear more of those, the series as we're recording and going through it step by step, week by week. But anyways, I want to invite all of you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer as we get into the study now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. I pray that you would please guide us and lead us now. Help us, Lord, to understand your word. And I pray that you would please help us to be able to be sensitive to the voice of your spirit. So guide us, Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time we studied about the Ten Commandments that God gave to the children of Israel, he first did it by speaking it to them. And then shortly after that, God called Moses up to the mount in front of all the congregation to speak with him. And eventually, he would give him the Ten Commandments written in stone. Let's go to our first text found in Exodus 24, verses 12 and 18. That's Exodus 24, verse 12 and 18. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Notice, Moses would be absent from the children of Israel for 40 days. Not totally absent. He was right there in the mountain that he, they saw him go up into. But he was, though he was absent, the Israelites had clearly seen him go there. And they could still see the, the fire and the cloud and the smoke that was surrounding the mountain. It was obvious that God's presence was still there. So from Exodus chapter 25 until Exodus 31, for about seven chapters. Those chapters describe the time that Moses would spend with God. God would give the sanctuary to the children of Israel and also the Ten Commandments in stone. We read in Exodus 31 verse 18, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. So Moses, while he's up there communing with God, what is happening down in the camp below? What has been going on? Look at what is taking place. In the midst of all that Moses is having this communion with God, we read Exodus 32 and verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up! Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Wow, can you imagine them saying that? They did not know what had happened to Moses? Yes, it has been 40 days already since they've seen Moses. That was over a month. However, the visible presence of God was still before them. 
They were the ones that saw Moses go up to the mount themselves with their own eyes. Everybody witnessed it. But the people, they got impatient with Moses and with God and just wanted to move forward to the land that had been promised to them. So they come to Aaron, who's second in command, to make them gods, to lead them on. And upon hearing that, what does Aaron do? Let's keep reading. Exodus 32, verses 2 to 6. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. What would Aaron do? He asked them to take off the gold that they had, and he melted it and fashioned it and made it into a golden calf. And then he built an altar and got them to worship that idol. Just 40 days before, when they heard the voice of God, they entered into covenant with God to be his people. They all cried out in unison to God saying, all that God has said, we will do it. We will be obedient. And only 40 days later, here they are worshiping another God, worshiping another God that did not bring them out of the land of Egypt, that had not been protecting them nor providing for them all this while. How quick they were to change their minds and their commitment, especially when it came to God. And you know, friends, we are like that too sometimes. When there is a delay, when we got to wait a little bit, when things don't go the way we planned and it, it takes uh, maybe a few hours or maybe you know, even a few more minutes or even a day or two extra. In this case, it was 40 days that they were waiting there. And of course, they did not know that they were going to wait there for, for 40 days and then Moses would come down. But they were just waiting. It had been over a month and they got impatient of the delay to the extent that they just gave up on God and they were ready to worship all these other gods, false gods, in the very presence of God, where, remember, the mountain was right there. The fire and the smoke and the cloud, it was all still there. Moses, he's unaware of the situation that is taking place down below. But God reveals it to him while he's speaking to him on the mount. Look at this. Exodus 32, verses 7 to 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. 
Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. God, he explains to Moses all that's taking place down there, and he said, they're stiff-necked, they'll never learn. God, he's just ready to destroy them. And he tells Moses, Moses, stand aside, let me consume them, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. This people, they're just so rebellious, they never learn. How does Moses respond? How would you respond in this situation? Remember, it's this people that have been complaining about him over and over again. They're unreasonable. If I was Moses, I would said, God, sure, stand aside. I'll stand aside, please. Destroy them, right? But not Moses. What does he say? Exodus 32, verses 11 to 14. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. What does Moses do? He reminds God of the covenant that he made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he's always jealous for for God's honor and his reputation. The Egyptians, they would start to speak against him, saying that he simply brought them out of the land of Egypt to destroy them, to kill them, because he couldn't bring them into the land of Canaan. And so ultimately, God repents of the evil that he is thinking to do to them. Moses managed to change the mind of God. And this was probably more a test for Moses rather than God's real attitude towards the children of Israel to simply destroy them. He wanted to see what Moses was going to respond, how he was going to respond to the situation. Would he really stand aside and let God destroy them all? What a temptation it must have been for him. All this while, these people, murmurers, complainers, and they were disobedient at every turn and always ready to blame Moses for all the bad things that were happening and for every problem. What would you have done? What would you have done if you were in the seat of Moses? Anyways, Moses, he decides to go down the mountain to assess the situation. And when he gets down, the situation is actually worse than he imagined in his mind when God told him about what was happening. What does Moses do when he gets down there and he sees everything that is taking place? Exodus 32, 19 and 20. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, And he cast the tables out of his hand and break them beneath the mount. That is the tables of the Ten Commandments. And he took the calf which they had made, burnt it in fire, ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. What does he do? 
He throws the Ten Commandments out of his hands that God had written with his very own finger, a symbolic act showing that not only had they broken their covenant with God, but now God is about to break his covenant with them as well, disown them as his people, and not continue to be with them. Not only that, Moses, he takes that golden calf and he grinds it up, throws it into the water, and he makes the children of Israel drink it as if to show them the helplessness of this God that they were worshipping. And then Moses turns and confronts his brother, Aaron. Exodus 32, 21 and 24. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people, that they are set on mischief, For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this man Moses that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, then I cast it into the fire. And there came out this calf. How does Aaron respond? He seems to be sounding so meek in comparison to the anger that Moses is displaying at this time, as if, you know, Satan's trying to make it seem like the the, the righteous person, the person who is innocent, Moses, in this situation, is wrong for acting this way. And oh, Aaron, such a gentle person. That's how it comes across, isn't it? But what is Aaron doing? He is shunning any responsibility. You know, he makes it sound like, oh, they gave me their gold, their earrings. I just threw it in the fire and poop, out popped this golden calf as if he had nothing to do with it. But remember earlier on, we read that what? Aaron actually fashioned this golden calf with his own hands. Nevertheless, the damage had already been done. But, But Aaron, he was not brave enough to stem the tide of evil when the children of Israel came to confront him. And not he's not brave enough to own up to his fault of being principal leader in this rebellion. And not only that, I mean, he's not brave enough to own up to being the principal leader in this whole rebellion. You see, Aaron, he could have said something to, to say, no, don't do this. Moses is still there. God is still there. But he was too afraid. He was weak. Though second in command, he was a weak leader. So how does Moses respond, his brother respond, when he hears this? Verse 25 to 29. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about three thousand men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Moses, he would ask, who would stand 
on the Lord's side. Basically, he's asking, who will repent of this grievous sin that had just been committed? And who was it that stood up to stand with Moses? It was the tribe of Levi, the Levites. And this is the tribe that Aaron and Moses were from. And so Moses, he commands them to take their sword and go out and slay all those that were not willing to repent. There were people that were obstinate, that were not willing to change, that were still thinking that they were right and Moses was wrong. And Moses says, slay every man, his brother, and 3,000 would perish in that day. You know, even though Aaron, he was, quote-unquote, the leader in forming this golden calf out of the fire, even though he was standing in Moses' stead as a leader while he was gone, the reason Aaron did not perish is because he stood up with the Levites to repent. It's not that he stood up because he did nothing wrong, but when Moses called for that, he repented. God would forgive all those that stood up and repented. And so, after this punishment had been exacted, Moses goes up the next day to plead with God on their behalf. Look at this. Exodus 32, verse 30 to 32. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. You know, friends, it's evident the love that Moses has for the children of Israel. To the extent that he was willing to be blotted out of the book of life on their behalf, Clearly, he understood the heart of God, the love that God has for each and every one of us. Look at what it says in John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, this is obviously referring to the love that God has for each and every one of us. But Moses understood that type of love. He understood the heart of God. He was willing to die for them. And you know, of course, it wasn't possible. No sinner can die for another sinner. But what is God's response to Moses' plea? Exodus 32, 33 to 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee, Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. God, he told Moses that that would not be necessary, that he would not have his name blotted out of the book of life for the sake of the others, but we would all be responsible for our own sins. And that is the case, friends. We can't help another person with their sins. We can't confess to, uh, you know, sometimes we ask people to pray, pray, pray that God would hear my prayer. But you know, friends, we might pray, the preacher might pray, uh, the pastor might pray, whoever it is might pray for you. But if you yourself do not come to God, if you yourself do not repent and ask God to forgive you, God will not forgive. We have to personally ask. We have to do all that we can 
personally. You see, salvation is not a corporate salvation. Just because your parents are good parents and faithful and righteous people, it doesn't mean that you will be saved. It is not a corporate thing. It's not, we're not saved by families. And so it's not the Levites were the ones that were saved, but it was the whole tribe of Levi and, of course, probably a few others as well that stood up and repented when Moses asked who would be on the Lord's side. But, you know, God, he's not done yet speaking with Moses. Let's keep reading. Exodus 33, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up hence, thou and the people, which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. So God, he tells Moses to lead the people forward to the land that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. But he would not lead them there because this people were stiff-necked. They were rebellious. They needed to renew their covenant with God again. So what was the first step in coming back to God? Let's keep reading. Verses 4 to 6 of Exodus 33. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment, and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. They were instructed to do what? To remove their ornaments, their jewelry. Why? Because out of that, they had made it into an idol, into a golden calf, which they had worshipped. They needed to humble themselves and, and come back to God. They needed humiliation of heart. And it started off with taking away the extravagance and the unnecessary things from their lives and from off their bodies. You know, it's just like Jacob's two sons. Simeon and Levi, you know, they went out and killed a whole town of people just for their sister's sake. And when Jacob the father heard what Simeon and Levi had done, he was afraid and he wanted to make sure that God's presence would still go with them. Why? They were a little tribe in a strange country. And Jacob was afraid that surrounding nations would see what they did and they would attack them and destroy them and kill them. So what did Jacob actually do? In Genesis, let's go back there. Genesis chapter 35, verses 2 to 4. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. 
You know, God instructed Jacob when he came to seek God again. God told him, Jacob, I want you to tell your family to remove all your ornaments, all your earrings, all the strange gods that were amongst them. And this was obviously something that was against God's will. This must have been something that Jacob was letting slide in his little tribe there as they were living in the midst of all these heathen nations. They probably began to adopt all these things that God asked them not to do. And so God said, you got to come back. You got to remove yourself of all these things and humble yourselves and seek me. Just as back then, so now God is calling us to live simply and not have all this outward extravagance, but humility of dress and humility of heart. But friends, what's the second step that we need to take to return to God? What was it that Israelites did? What was their second step? Exodus 33 and verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. So the tabernacle was pitched away from the camp, away from all the people, showing God's displeasure with them, how he could not dwell with them because of the sin that they just committed. Yet the tabernacle was called what though? It was called the tabernacle of the congregation, the covering of the people. And if they wanted to repent and have full restoration, they needed to go seek God themselves personally. They needed to make that effort to come to him outside of their, their, their camp, right? And so God, he, he was willing to forgive them, but now they had to put that extra effort. God was not going to be in their midst. They had to come out, but God was ready. You see, how did God respond when the people came to the tabernacle of the congregation? Exodus 33, verse 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. You see, God, he still showed that his presence was still with them, with the pillar of cloud standing over the door of the tabernacle. And when the people saw that, they came to worship God. God was still with them, but he wanted them to come to that tabernacle. He wanted them to make that effort to come and to repent and to seek him with all their heart. And you know, friends, in similar fashion today, if we truly repent, there'll be a clear evidence found in our lives. First, there'll be change in outward appearances, in our conduct, by putting away the ornaments. Yes, the outward does change when the inward is changing. But secondly, there will be a seeking after God again a confession of sin and coming back to worship at his, at his tabernacle, at his church. Yes, if we are coming to God, if we're repenting from the things that we have committed in the past, we will come back to church. Yeah, some people say, oh, well, I can worship at home. You can. But I'm telling you, if there is a change in our hearts, if there is something that is taking place in our hearts that God is changing, it will be found in outward actions, the way we dress, and even our presence of worship at church. But when God sees their repentance, how does he respond to the children of Israel? Exodus 33 verse 14. 
And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. First, God promises that his presence would go with them and give them rest. Rest from their sins, rest from any fear that their enemies would attack them. But what else does God do? Exodus 34, and now verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. What is God doing? He's renewing his covenant with them. He's about to write his Ten Commandments on stone again, similar to the one that was broken by Moses. He's about to make them his people again. And finally, verse 10 and 11 of Exodus 34. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. God promises to them again the land of Canaan. You know, what an amazing God of mercy. If we are willing to confess our sins, if we're willing to repent of the wrong that we have done, God is willing and ever ready to forgive us and make us his people again. But you see, friends, there's a part for us to play. We need to seek him. He's already come to this earth to fulfill the plan of salvation. Jesus has already died and resurrected and gone up to heaven, but we need to do our part. God will not force us to confess. He will not force us to repent. Like Moses, he asked, who's on the Lord's side? Who wants to do what's right? It has to come from us personally, from a heart that is willing to do his will, to change from a heart that is full of love for him. We have to be willing to want to follow him and turn from our wickedness of the past. You see, friends, there's a saying, you can lead the horse to the watering trough, but you can't force the horse to drink. God has done all that he can. All we have to do is open our mouths and drink. All we have to do is open our mouths and say, God, I'm sorry of my sin, to truly repent, to truly ask God to change our hearts so that we don't keep committing those sins over and over and over again. You know, friends, because of the sin of the children of Israel, Moses was in the mount with God for another 40 days, receiving the Ten Commandments, receiving an assurance from God that their sins were pardoned, and also renewing the covenants that God had made with them earlier. And after 40 days, another 40 days, when Moses comes down from the mountain and he comes back to the camp, how do the children of Israel react to him? Let's read this. Exodus 34, verses 29 and 30. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. 
because Moses had been in the presence of God for so long, he was reflecting the light from God's glory, and this made all of them afraid. You see, friends, there is fear in guilt. But the soul that is free from sin, it will not wish to hide from the light of heaven. It's just like when Jesus came walking in the garden in the cool of the day after Adam and Eve sinned. They got afraid and they hid themselves. If we have not sinned, we don't have to be afraid of the presence of God. But upon hearing this, what does Moses do? Exodus 34 and verse 33. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. As a result, Moses had to veil himself, put a veil over so that when he spoke with the Israelites, they would not be afraid because of the shining of his skin. You see, friends, Moses, he was a type of Christ. Number one, he interceded on behalf of God's children as Christ did for the world. Number two, he was ready to be blotted out of God's book of life just for the sake of the Israelites as Christ really was willing and was blotted out. He died that death that sinners have to pay when they commit sin. He was blotted out of the book of life for us. And just as Moses put a veil on to speak to the children of Israel when he came down from communing with God, Christ would veil his glory, the glory of his divinity with humanity. He would come in the form of a human in the flesh that we have, the bones and the blood, just to come and save us. This brightness from Moses' face, you know, God wished to impress upon the children of Israel the brightness and the excellence of his glory and the sacred and exalted character of his law. You know, friends, God wishes for all of us to be lights to the world, shining that light of the gospel to the whole world. But we can only do that if we spend time communing with Christ and allowing his light and his glory to shine into our hearts first. It's not just a matter of teaching a Bible lesson and speaking a few words and breaking the Bible open to people. No, friends, our lives from the inside must have that light shine in our hearts. And in order for that to happen, friends, we got to confess of our sins. So let us come back to God today in confession and repentance. Let's not delay it for a moment, but don't just stop there. Let's pause in his presence and allow his glory to be fully reflected in each of our lives that truly we can become partakers of that divine nature, that we can live the life that Jesus wants us to live for him today. You know, friends, we need God's help more than ever to overcome every sin that so easily besets us. Why? So that through our lives, it might testify to the closeness of the communion that we have with Christ. May God help us to reflect his glory, to to have that special communion that Moses had as he spoke with God face to face. We have more light shining from the God's word today for us. We have no excuse, but we've got to take time to spend time in his word. 
And oh, how difficult it is for so many of us, even those that have been brought up in the church all our lives. Sometimes we just find it so difficult, especially in this distracted generation, isn't it? Friends, let's take the time. God has given us a day of rest once a week. It's called the Sabbath. Let's take that time not just to connect with people and to, with friends and even maybe you've been so busy throughout the week, you're having a time for family. But maybe we've been so busy for weeks and months and years that we've not had time for Christ. Let's come back to Him and commune with Him this day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the glory that shines from your word. We thank you for that light, the streams of light that come to us from heaven through the word of God. And Father, I pray that you would please help us to treasure these words. Help us to see its importance. But more than that, help us, Lord, to set aside time to spend in your word. May you please guide us, O Lord. Lead us. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us, Lord, that your glory might shine upon our hearts this day. This is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org dot audioverse dot org.